He's still God. He's still worthy of our praise. I want you to turn to Psalm 19, and I'll promise you, the Lord willing, I'll be done with that passage. But have you ever got a hold of something bigger than you? And I'm telling you, it's just big. And I've been preaching on Sunday night on why I love the Word of God. And we preach three weeks on verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8. And I really enjoyed that. The law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord, they're clean, they're pure, they're holy. And what will they do? They will convert the soul. They will make wise the simple. They will rejoice your heart. And they will enlighten your eyes. I want to continue in verse number 10 through the end of this psalm. And I want to preach today on why I need and why I love the Word of God. Do you realize today how blessed we are to hold in our hand the book, the Word of God? And let me one run, run one rabbit, and I'll get this out of my system, and we'll go on. Because I want to beat the Methodists to the soup line. But I'm glad that I'm part of a church. And I'm glad I pastor a group of people that will allow me the honor and the privilege to stand before you all these many years and hold up this and say, we have the Word of God. There are people all over the world that's never heard the Word of God, never seen a copy of the Word of God. And what a blessing it is today that we have in our possession not a word from God, but the word of God. And I'm glad it is alive and it is well. I want you to read with me now verse 10 through the end of the psalm. And I believe you'll be blessed. This is what the psalmist David said about how he felt and loved and needed the word of God. Look in verse number 10. More to be desired. I want you to underline that little word desire. Let me ask you this today. Do you desire the word of God? I believe one of the greatest evidences that Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in your life is you have a desire for the word of God. You want the word of God. You crave the word of God. You need the word of God. As we preached last Sunday, as newborn babes, we desire than sincere milk of the word. Because I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, there is a desire and a hunger and a need in the soul of every Christian that only the word of God can satisfy. And notice he uses two analogies in verse number 10. He tells you not only how wonderful, but how more wonderful the word of God is. Notice what he said in verse 10, more to be desired are they than what? Gold. And then he adds, yea, than much fine gold. And it's sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Watch verse 11. Moreover by them thy servant is warned. And in keeping of them there is, said with me, great reward. Who can understand his errors? I'll tell you, if you want to understand who we are, take a look at the book. 
And he said, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. You read the word of God, it'll clean you up. Notice what he said in verse 13. Keep thy servant or keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I'm glad the word of God today has set you free. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent of the great transgression. And I believe verse 14 ought to be the goal, the aspiration of every redeemed. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. And I love the threefold title of our blessed God. May it be acceptable in thy sight. Number one, oh Lord. Aren't you glad he's your Lord today? Number two, oh Lord, my strength. Aren't you glad there's strength in the Lord? Number three, and my Redeemer. Can I ask you this morning, how in the world can we be nothing more than conquerors and victors? When He is our Lord, when He is our strength, when He is our Redeemer. And you know where I found out that He is my Lord? Through the book. You know how I found out He is my strength? Through the book. You know how I found out that he is my redeemer through the book. Psalm 19 begins by telling us that God reveals himself in nature. I don't believe anybody with the right mind, I said the right mind, can look at the water and the ocean and the river and the stars and the sun and the moon and say, there is no God. Brother, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament is handiwork. I don't believe one day that a ball of mass over here and a ball of mass over there had a big run in with each other and some uh, explosion took place and bang. Somebody said, do you believe in the big bang theory? I sure do. God said, let it be and bang. There it was. I like what my daddy used to say. You believe the earth began with the Big Bang? He said, nope, but it's going to end in one. And I know the stars and the rivers and the lakes and the oceans, they declare the glory of God, but they do not tell us what his name is and how we can know him. But I'm glad when we open the word of the living God. Hallelujah. It not only tells us there is a God and he's powerful and he's sovereign and he's awesome and he's omnipotent and he's real big, but it tells us his name, who he is and how I may know him as my Lord and my Savior. In fact, the matter, if you wouldn't laugh at me this morning, I would pick up my book and I'd hug it. I believe I will anyway. If you won't laugh at me this morning, I believe I'll pick up my book and I'll give it some sugar. Because I love the Word of God. 
David said, Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. The psalmist said, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, I desire the word of God more than my necessary food. Simon Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Simon Peter said, the world's going to pass away and the flowers are going to wither and the grass is going to die, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. David said, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Jesus said to his disciples that heaven and earth would pass away, but my word shall not pass away. If you're privileged enough this morning to hold a Bible in your hand that is the word of God, I want you to just hold it up real high. And I want you to turn to somebody and say, thank God for the word of God. And I'm glad I have the Word of God and I love the Word of God and I need the Word of God in my life. This morning in our text, in four verses, I want to point out three things about the Word of God that makes me love it and why I need it in my life. Number one, I want you to see in the text that the Word of God is valuable. There is a value placed on the Word of God in verse number 10. In verse number 10, he uses two analogies to express how valuable the Word of God is. In the first part of verse number 10, he said it's more desirable than gold. But then he added two little words that describe it. Not just gold, but the next word is much. And the next word is fine gold. Now, I don't think some of the kids realize this, and some women may not realize this, and some even men may not realize this. But the reason why gold watches, gold bracelets, gold necklaces, gold rings cost so much is you don't go out in your driveway and pick up a rock and say, baby, happy birthday. Now, I had a few girls in my life that threw rocks at me, but the reason why gold is so valuable, you don't find it just laying around. You have to dig in the gold mine. And when you find the gold, it's raw. It's just virgin ore out of the ground. But when you take it to the goldsmith and they refine it, when they put the fire on it, when they try it, and and, and it's called dross, it's called waste, the byproduct, After that gold has been heated to a certain degree, all of the imperfections, all of the dross is brought out of it. And it's not just gold, but it's fine gold. It's valuable gold. It's spotless gold. It's 
perfect gold. It's real gold. And I tell you today that the word of God is valuable. It's better than gold. Much better than even fine gold. I met a man one time, I was witnessing to him, and he said, let me tell you something, buddy. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe none of the Bible. I don't believe anything in the Bible. In fact, I've dedicated my life to disprove the Bible. And only a nut like me would respond like this. I said, thank you, sir. He said, you're thanking me, and I'm trying to destroy What you believe in, I said, emphasize that word tried, dude. I said, because others before you have tried it, others after you may try it. And the reason why I'm saying thank you, the more you doubt and deny and burn and pillage and set on fire the word of God, the more holy, the more divine, the more pure that it gets. Ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you this morning that the word of God has been tried, it's been tested, it's gone through the fires of doubt and disbelief, but I'm here to tell you today that the word of God is more profitable, it is more valuable than gold, much gold, much fine gold. It's the most valuable thing in all of the world. When David penned down these verses, the greatest way to buy something or trade something or the most value medium of trade was gold. Boy, they felt like in that Bible day, if they had gold, you could get anything you needed. If they just had gold, there was no need that could not be met. So in the Bible, when you hear somebody talking about gold, they're talking about their most prized possession the dearest thing they own in their life oh may i remind you ladies and gentlemen the most prized possession any one of us could ever own is the word of god just like they believed in the bible days there was no need that could not be met if they had enough gold i've come to tell you there was some needs in my life and i'm sure there's been some needs in your life that all of the gold and all of the silver and all of the monetary trades could not buy i want to tell you it can't buy peace of mind it can't buy the joy of heart it cannot buy the redemption and the forgiveness of sin it cannot buy an escape from hell. It cannot buy a home in heaven. Gold can't buy it. And silver can't buy it. And money can't buy it. But the most precious thing anybody in this world has ever owned or holds in their hand is the word of the living God. And I have so much confidence in it today there is no need there is no deficiency there is no problem in your life that the good word of God cannot meet because it is valuable your most precious commodity 
It's not your money in the bank. It is not your car. It is not your home. It is not your toys. It is not the things that we gather with our fingers, but your most precious commodity. It's the word of the Lord that liveth and abideth forever. Because I want to hear you. You can't buy your way out of fear. You can't buy your way out of darkness. You can't buy your way out of sickness. You can't buy your way out of depression. You can't buy your way out of fear. But I'm glad there is a book that we hold in our hand called the Word of God. It can meet all the needs in your heart and in your life. Because the Word of God is valuable. It is more valuable than of gold. But right in the middle of verse 10, he uses another analogy with gold. I'll be honest with you, when I first read this, it blew my mind. Because we go from gold to honey. And I'm not talking about the one you're holding hands with or the one you had a fight with on your way to church today. Honey. Let me just ask you this. We got any honey eaters? You love honey. I went to go preach for Chris Rumpsfeld when I was dealing with this, whatever it is I have, the lumbago or the homidami or the humafiba. And he bursts in his office. I'm sitting there gasping for every breath. My oxygen level is 89 and 90. And I'm just hanging on for dear life. I'm so deprived of oxygen, my ears are, are, are tingling. And I, he said, open your mouth, Brother Joe. I got something that'll help you. And at that point, I was willing. And I just opened my mouth and he squirted in my mouth a whole container full of honey. He said, that will heal you immediately. Grace Rumsfeld, when you get home from your service today and you watch ours, I am going to sue you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All that honey did was run up my sugar. Boy, in that day, honey is sweet, isn't it? It's a natural sweetener. Honey. Now, in that day, if you had gold, you had possessions. Now, listen to this. If you don't think this is a long time ago, in the Bible days, only the real blessed had honey. Honey in that day would be the equivalent of a Butterfinger blizzard from Dairy Queen. I felt something on that. In that day, honey would be the equivalent to going to Forest Park and going to Zesto's and getting a large walnut syrup whipped cream sundae. You can't make a meal off of it, but it sure does sweeten you along the journey. In that day, in the Bible day, one of the most pleasurable things a man could do was just get him some fresh honey and enjoy it. Where gold refers to possessions, honey refers to the fine pleasures and extras of life. I mean, if you had some gold, that was good. But if you had some honey to go along with the gold, that was real good. 
Because they felt like if they had the gold, they would have any possession they needed. But if they had some honey to go with it, they not only had the possessions of life, but they had the pleasures of life. Let me say to you today, God has been good to me. And he has done more than meet my necessary needs. I've had some extra blessings along the way. God has given me some pleasures in my life. The pleasure of a Christian home. The pleasure to follow my calling. The pleasure to meet good friends. The pleasure to catch big bass and kill big bucks. And some of you are looking for that pleasure of hitting a hole in one. Just don't do it on Sunday because you won't be able to tell nobody about it. Let me ask you this. How many of God's been good to? And you've had some real good pleasure along the journey. But I'm here to tell you the greatest pleasure you'll ever have and the greatest thrill you'll ever have, the most wonderful pleasure that life could ever afford you, that you have the pleasure and the privilege to open this book in your hand and read the Word of God and enjoy the Word of God and digest the Word of God. You say, preacher, how valuable is the Word of God? It's more valuable than gold in our possessions. And it's more valuable than honey and all of the pleasures of life. You know what it tells us? The Word of God is pure. The Word of God is sinless. And the Word of God is spotless. And the Word of God is clean. And the Word of God is real. And the Word of God is genuine. But on the other end, it is sweet. It is sweet. I want to just stop and say, when I read the Word of God, how sweet it is. I don't know about you this morning, but it's sweet to know that my sins have been forgiven. I don't know about you this morning, but how sweet it is to know I'll never be lost again. How sweet it is to know I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. And how sweet it is to know that when this life is over, the best is yet to come. I've come to tell you today, if you're a Christian and you're saved, your best life is not now. Your best life is over yonder in glory where the shades of love lie deep. How sweet it is. I don't know how you felt this morning, but as they begin to sing and the Spirit of God begin to flow through this crowd, how sweet. How sweet are the promises of God. How sweet is the presence of God. How sweet it is to know that Jesus loves us and he cares for our soul. Brother Joe, how valuable is the word of God? It's more valuable than fine gold. How valuable is the word of God? It's sweeter than honey and honey straight out of the comb. Let me say it like this. There ain't nothing like it. It has no equal. It definitely has no superior. The greatest treasure we can have on this side of heaven is the Word of God. You say, but if I had some gold, I could purchase anything I need. The Bible will do for you what money could never do. 
Oh, Brother Joe, if I just had a little pleasure in my life, the Word of God is more sweet and more pleasurable than any experience you will ever have. Some of you tonight or this morning are old enough to remember a telephone that had a wire on it that was attached to the wall. Some of you are old enough this morning to remember a phone book. You'd get one a year. If you lose that one, you had to call and get information. And they didn't know where it was. And by the time you followed the directions, you both were lost. And you remember there were two sections in your phone book. The white pages and the yellow pages. The white pages is when all them people in there. Somebody said, how many? And I, I love this. I love to pick on the Joneses. Somebody said, how come there's so many Joneses in the phone book? I said, because all of them's got a phone. You say, how come there's not many Arthurs in the phone book? Because nobody's got a name quite as dumb as mine. Say amen right there. But I remember in the back part was the what? Yellow pages. Now you folks from Atlanta ought to know this real good. Does anybody remember Ma Bell? Last week, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, it was that day in history when Alexander Graham Bell made his first phone call. Wow. How many remember Ma Bell from Atlanta, Georgia, advertising the yellow pages? And it was in alphabetical order, and, and in them yellow pages, it was the answer, basically, to your problems. If you had a flat tire, you had a clogged up sink, you had mental problems, whatever you, whatever you needed, Ma Bell would say, let your... That's some old people in this place and some Joneses. Said, let your fingers do the walking. And you'll find somebody that'll fix your flat, unclog your sink, pull your teeth, cut your hair. Whatever was wrong in your life, Ma Bell said, let your fingers do the walking in my yellow pages and we will meet your need. Well, my name ain't Bell and I sure ain't no mama. And it's been a long time since I've seen a phone book with white pages or yellow pages. But I've come to tell you without any reservation. If you're here this morning and you have a Bible in your hand or in your lap or in your possession, may I do this commercial, ladies and gentlemen, this program has been brought to you by the Holy Bible. And I want to just say, when there's needs in your life and maladies in your body and sorrow in your heart, and clouds of doubt in your mind. Let your heart do the walking through God's eternal pages. And he'll fix your flat, unclog your pipes, and get you back where you need to be. I'm glad I have a book, The Value of the Word of God. It is valuable. It's gold, better than gold. It's sweeter than honey, and more sweeter than honey. I'm glad I got the Bible. Because the Word of God is valuable. Let me come now quickly to verse number 11. 
Tell you not only the word of God is valuable, but listen to this. The word of God is vital. Remember that little word, vital. You say, what does that word vital mean? That means it's a necessity. That means it is so important you can't live without it. I found out a few weeks ago, I can live without a lot of money. I can live without an automobile. I can live without new clothes. I can live without a lot of things. But I found out about a week ago, you can't live without breath. Just do that one time. Ain't it good to be able to do that? I caught garlic from somebody. Somebody's been eating garlic. I smelt you right up in here. I can't live without breath. We have some nurses here today, and I believe they'll back me up on this. You can't live without blood. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. You can't live without water. You can live without Coca-Cola. You can live without Dr. Pepper. And God knows you can live without Tab. Anybody can drink Tab. You can drink Roach Spray. You can live without orange juice. You can live without rock gut liquor. But you can't live without water, air, sunshine, breath. Or blood. You know why? Your breath is vital. Your blood is vital. I even found out you can do without some foods. You'll be depressed, but you can live without some foods. But you can't live without all food. There are some things this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that are vital to your physical being. And can I tell you, when it comes to your spiritual life, the most vital thing in your spiritual life and your walk with Jesus Christ is your Bible and the Word of God. You can't live for God and grow in God and fellowship with God without the Word. In verse number 11, quickly this morning, he describes how vital the Word of God is. He says in verse number 11, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is what? Great reward. Who can understand his error? Watch this. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Watch the first part of verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. You say, why do I need the Word of God? Why is it so valuable in my life? Well, it's valuable to my blessing. If I want the blessing of God in my life, it cannot come without the Bible. I love what he says in verse 11. By it, the Word of God, we are warned. We're cautioned. Somebody said, I just don't know what's right and what's wrong. Read the book. I need somebody to coach me along the way and tell me what's right and what's wrong. Get in the book. 
But I need to know what to say and what not to say and where to turn and where not to turn. The Word of God warns you and I against that which is dangerous in our lives. And not only does it tell us what's wrong and what's bad for us, but when we keep the Word of God, there is a great reward. I have preached all these years on the consequences of a choice. How many remembers me saying through the years to the young people, you make bad choices, you're going to reap bad consequences. But may I say on the other side of that coin, you keep the Word of God and you live by the Word of God. And you let the word of the Lord be your counselor. And you let the word of God be your guide. And love the Bible and live the Bible and flesh out the Bible. There is great reward in living for God and obeying the word of God. Let me say it like this this morning. This book has been a blessing in my life. God will bless those that obeys his word. It is vital for my blessing. Notice what he said in verse number 11. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. You know what the Bible is vital to? My cleansing and the purity that is in my life. You want to get dirty living in this world? Just go without your Bible. But if you want to get clean and pure and refreshed in this world, get back into the Word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 15, Now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. The Bible said that the Lord through the Holy Spirit is washing and renewing and regenerating His church that when the body of Christ is presented to the heavenly groom in the rapture, it will stand before Him without spot and without blemish. And how is the Lord renewing and sanctifying the body of Christ through the cleansing agent, the water of the Word of the living God? The old timers used to say it like this. The Bible will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from the Bible. You know how I can tell when I'm getting a little cold and indifferent? I don't have enough of the Word of God in my life. You know I can tell when the flame of my fire is, is dwindling? I don't have enough of the Word of God in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a society that is sin and sex and ungodly driven. I've never understood how you can't even advertise a tube of toothpaste without being vulgar. And our minds are plagued. We have a little family in our church, and I would never call their names publicly, but one of the spouses won a trip to Las Vegas. They had never been, so they were going to take the whole family and enjoy the trip to Las Vegas. They were looking for a certain place to eat. And the father said to the mother, where is that place to eat? Now let me tell you something. 
The mama and the daddy may know how to put on blinders. But them kids is a looking at the signs. Hmm. The first day I knew I had to have a long talk with my boy was we passed a certain sign and he started giggling. I knew right then me and him and Jeffro Bodine was going to have to have a long talk with that boy. And so the daddy says to the mother, where is that eating place, hamburger place, where is it? And one of them little snotty-nosed kids jumped up in the back seat and said, Daddy, it's right by that inappropriate sign over there. You say, who would say that in our church? One of them three that just sang a while ago, and I'll let you pick the one. Now, they both are going to deny it. Man, we're living in a world when you can't even read the road signs. We're like Lot, Brother Lonnie. We vex. We pierce our righteous soul every day in the congregation, in the uh, conversation of the wicked. And by the time Sunday rolls around, our mind and our heart and our spirit has so been captivated by the ungodliness of this world. But I'm glad there's a place we can open up the Word of God and the cleansing agent flows. And by the time we get out of here, we feel refreshed. You know what you can have? Listen to me. Every day of your life. You say, Brother Joe, I don't have Harvest Baptist Tabernacle every day of my life. I don't have that good choir singing every day of my life. I don't have your verse-by-verse Bible preaching every day of my life. I can't stay clean. Let me tell you what you have at your disposal every God-blessed day of your life. The word of the living God. And it's vital for my blessing. It's vital for my cleansing. I've run out of time. I don't have time for the third point. But let me just emphasize the second one in verse number 13. Notice what he says. How vital the word of God is. Notice what he says. Keep back thy servant. Notice how he words it in the text. Not just sin. Not just a secret thought. Not just a dirty deal, but notice how wicked, vile, powerful. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. You say, what in the world is that? Can you handle it? Are you ready? Doing something that you already know is wrong before you do it. You say, Brother Joe, why in the world would I do something wrong knowing it was wrong before I do it? I talked to a law enforcement agent in our area the other day with our staff. We're coming up with a summer program to try to reach some of these children for God. And I'm like one of the ladies that goes to our Spanish church saying, I love this and this. Listen to this profound statement. She said, I'm so proud Harvest Baptist Tabernacle has a big prison ministry. And she said, I think it's awesome that the prisons allow us to go in. Now listen, she said, but what I don't understand, they will allow us in the prisons, but they won't allow us in the school. 
And she said, if we could go preach at the school like we're doing the prison, there wouldn't be nobody in prison to preach to. Wow. Wow. Listen, this law enforcement agent, we were talking, and I said, you know what would be wonderful? If everybody in the world would just do right and act right. He looked at me like, what planet you on? And I said, sir, and the reason why that will never happen in any society, because there is this disease and monster and plague that's turned loose on this world, and it's called sin. And it's magnetizing. It's drawing all of us. Can I tell you today, in the fear of God, it's easier to do wrong than it is to do right. We are more prone and pulled to do wrong than we are right. Boy, remember that old song, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. And I don't care how old you are, how long you've been saved, how great a Christian you may claim to be. There's a monster inside of you. There's a magnet inside of you that is pulled and lured to this old world. And we're headed for it. And we're headed for it. But the psalmist said, Lord, if I let that word of God soak in me, it'll keep me back from that presumptuous sin. And get a hold of this word picture before we leave. That word in the Hebrew there, keep back, was a farmer's term. Now, I don't know a lot about horses. But what little I know about horses, my wife knows less about horses. When our kids were young, we would take vacations. They'd go with me to preach. And we'd vacate during the day and go preach at night. And one of the things I grew up doing was horseback riding. I, I loved it. Man, I thought I was Tonto and the Long Ranger and Wyatt Earp and Matt Dillon all in one. I even tried jumping off of a barn on the back of a pony. And the pony moved. And I ain't been able to move since. But I don't care where we went horseback riding, whether it was Alaska, whether it was in the redneck capital of the world, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Myrtle Beach, wherever we went to ride horses, Joanna's, Joseph's, and mine were little pussycats in the form of horses. But you let Julie Elizabeth wish on Arthur get on one, it was a beast. Uncontrollable. And one of the greatest cold shoulders I ever got when I said, that horse acts like you, baby. Son, if you ever grow up and get a wife, don't you be that dumb. We was up there in Alaska one time. We was riding through the tundra. We were having a time. And all of a sudden, I heard a scream. And there goes Mistress Arthur. I mean, there her hair flapping in the wind. And she looked so pretty riding that horse. That hair flapping in the wind. And honey, he run her up under a tree. She tried to block. Needless to say, she ain't been on one since. She would hate for me to tell this in public, but she just cusses as she goes by them. 
I told her last night, I said, we need some horses. She said, you're crazy. Because you know what a horse is? It's a wild beast unless it's tamed. But now you know anything about horses. If you're going to ride one, you put a bridle on it. But you do more than put a bridle on the face. There's a steel piece about that big with a little curve in the middle called a bit. And would you, now if we got the animal lovers here, please don't protest to church. I don't have any ones I do this to. Go, pro, go protest somewhere else. And please don't burn us down while you do it. But when that horse is, is hell bent to run into the tree, baby, you pull back on them reins. That bit comes on. And it makes that horse hold back. Listen to me today. You know what the Bible is to you and I? It's a bridle. It's reins. It's a bit. Not necessarily, but right there. Because if most of us did what we want to every day, if, and I say us, if most of us did what our flesh told us to do every day, son, we would headlong hell fire and brimstone right into the biggest mess of our life. But I'm glad I got somebody pulling on the reins. I'm glad I got a bridle on me. I'm glad I got a did in my heart. And it's the Word of God. And it keeps us back. So the word of God is there for my blessing and the word of God is there for my cleansing. But the word of God is there for my protection. You realize what kind of mess we'd all get in? The word of God didn't hold us back. Let me just say this today. If you've never lived out in the world, you've never tasted the things of the world, those appetites for sin have never been awakened and loosed in your life. You are a blessed individual. That's why we try to reach these kids before sin gets a hold of them. Before they know what alcohol tastes like and before they know what premarital sex is and before they know what drugs is because the God of this Bible not only saves souls but He saves lives. There's people all over this room. You didn't get saved as an adolescent. You didn't even get saved as a teenager. You didn't get saved before you could smell and taste the attractions of the world. And some of you, it's all you can do to stay out of that mess God's brought you out of. Am I telling them right, Richard? And the only way you're going to stay out of that mess that God brought you out of, you got to bridle up. You better have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost riding in your saddle, pulling on your rein, and the Word of God, because I'm telling you, thank God for the book. Thank God for the Bible. Let me tell you, young people, what it'll do. It'll keep you from making a fool out of yourself. What will the Bible do for me, Pastor? It'll keep you from having wild oats to reap. What will the Word of God do for me, Preacher? It'll keep you from making a fool out of your life and your family and live for God. 
the vitality of the word of God. We've got to have it. If we're going to be blessed, if we're going to be clean, we're going to be protected from this world. We need the word of God. Listen to this little poem that was written several years ago called God's Wonderful Book Divine. What hope for the traveler when strength is almost gone that makes him determined to keep pressing on. What sweet consolation from heaven's white throne. God's wonderful book divine. What chart can you trust as a guide for your soul? When some tempest would strand you on some treacherous shoal. What compass will point you to heaven's bright goal? God's wonderful book divine. Then the refrain, I love the old Bible. Precious old Bible, a light on my pathway to shine. It keeps me so happy, always so happy. God's wonderful book, divine. In closure this morning, let me say it like this. No Christian has an excuse to be spiritually anemic, weak, or ignorant because we have at our disposal the word of the living God. Do you love your Bible today? Are you thankful for the Bible today? Has the word of God, does it hold a special place? In your life. Let's stand together. Lord we love you.